Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Jesus says, Father, you sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. Every Christ follower is sent in the world. Every Christ follower is sent into the world. We are called to be salt and light and impact our world. We are to be in our boat. We're to be in the water. We're to be in the marketplace of life. We're to love the lost even though they hate us. We're to engage the lost. We're to share the good news. That's why you and I are still here, not gone to heaven. That was a principle Jesus came for. He came to seek and save the lost, to be around them. That's our role model. Nowhere in the Bible do we find a dictionary type of definition for love. God's Word, however, does tell us through example what love is. 1 John 4, 11 tells us, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This means that we're to love others the same way Jesus loves us. Wow, that's a big order. In fact, it's impossible unless you've first committed your life once for all to the simple truth that your life does not belong to you belongs to God. The only right we have is the wonderful privilege of allowing His character to manifest itself through our lives. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, with our continuing study entitled, Keep Your Boat in the Water, But... You remember not long ago, we discovered that the IRS, in a political move, started picking certain people to make it very difficult for them in their tax returns, in their companies. How how many remember all that stuff? Okay, You probably didn't hear this one. I didn't until recently, but it was in the Charlotte News. How many know the Billy Graham organization? Anybody know the Billy Graham organization? Yeah, Billy Graham. And and, uh, Franklin Graham, his son, does Samaritan's Purse and heads the Billy Graham organization. I just read a letter, don't have time to give it to you this morning, where Franklin Graham wrote to President Obama, not because President Obama did this, but just because he's the head of the government. And in 2010... Both of those Christian organizations were targeted by the IRS the same way, went through all of the stuff for absolutely nothing wrong with them. Just hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks, whatever. Because somebody was angry at them. They hated them. Why would they hate the Billy Graham organization? Billy Graham is one of the most honorable men we've ever seen, ever. Why did they hate him? Because during the election, they put full-page ads, the Billy Graham organization did, and they simply said this. They didn't tell you who to vote for. They just simply said this, vote the Bible. Why were they hated? Because of the Bible. It's not political. So don't be surprised if the world hates you. You said, Pastor Mark, that's like taking it too far. You've just begun to see what's going to happen. Now, turn, if you will, to John 15. You know, I told you, we're just recently, we got back when we were ministering in Asia, I was around the table teaching 14 guys. Four of them had been in prison last year for four months. Why? Because the world 
hates Christians. Now, this is not news to Jesus. Watch what John 15, all of our campuses, scoot down to verse 18. Jesus says this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as your own. As it is, see, speaking to his disciples, you don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 2,000 years ago. It's the same today. The world hated Christ. The Bible says Jesus came to his own people and his own people rejected him. Jesus' brothers told everyone that he was an idiot. He was, a, he was mentally off until the cross. You see... The world hates Christ, so naturally it hates his followers because we represent Christ. We're his ambassador. We're his children. So we're confronted as we were in the first verse. You're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. That's the spiritual warfare that's going on and has since Satan fell from heaven. It continues today, but it's in the spirit and sometimes we don't even perceive it happening. What I just read from Billy Graham is a spiritual attack by Satan against Bible-believing Christians. Now, you're close. A couple chapters more. Everybody turn to John 17, verse 14. Now, I want you to see, and this is very important, Because as we begin to look at this, we're not surprised. Jesus in John 17, it's his prayer, and he prays an important thing. He's praying for himself and for the disciples then and for us. Watch what he says. He's praying to his father. I have given them, Father, your word. Jesus taught the Bible to his disciples. And the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. Here's what you want to write. Everybody needs to understand this. What was Jesus saying? It's crucial to know this so that we can understand how to react to the world hatedness. Christ followers are in the world. You're here this morning. Physically, no brainer. We live in the world. All of us. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. In other words, even though we live in the world, of course, our lifestyle is different from the world. We don't share the world's values, morals, goals, priority. Now, I want you to look at me. I want everybody to look at me. We're not better than anybody. We're just different. And not like we're different. If you're weird different, you draw attention to the wrong thing. That's why we don't ever allow in our campuses, we'll have everybody worshiping like they want to worship, no problem with that. But if it begins to draw attention to yourself, well, that's not why we're worshiping God, not somebody in the aisle. Okay? Same here. If you, somebody goes down the street and go, that's one of them weird Christians. Wrong, wrong emphasis. We're different because of our morals, our values. Everything that we stand for is different. Now, notice the world really hates us for two reasons. Christ. Christ living in us. You can speak about God all day. The minute you mention Christ, whoo, that's the card. That's it. And the second thing is, the world hates us because of God's word. Jesus just said that they hate me because I gave them. Why does the world hate us because of the word? Because the world is, the word is truth. And we're, we're confronted to change when we're confronted with the truth. Amen? Why do you think we teach the Word? Because it tells us how to live. 
The world says, I don't need to know how to live. I live my own way. Hello, Cain. No, I'll just do it my way. No, that's not right. So the world hates you, hates me, because they're part of Satan. Satan hates Christ, because Christ defeated him already. He didn't know it then, but he knew it, knows it today, and eventually he's going to be defeated finally. And Satan hates the Word of God. So what do many of our churches do today? Well, they don't teach the Word of God, because they want to get more people. Well, you get more people, don't teach the Word of God, you have nothing. You have no truth, no change. Now... Here's the question. I want, I want you to face it this morning. The world hates us. Thanks, Pastor Mike. This is a really great sermon. So here's the reason. How do we react to a world that hates us? I'm going to give you three keys. Here's number one. And all of them have a boat in it. Number one, I don't isolate from the world. Notice the boat. The boat is not in the water. The boat's on the land. I, I, just because the world hates me, I don't isolate. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't want to be around them. I don't like them people. I get away from them people. I just want to hang around Christians. No, not at all. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, do you have any scripture that says we shouldn't do that? Glad you ask. Look at John 17. Look at the end of verse 15. Actually, the beginning of it. Jesus says this to his father. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. See, often Christ followers seem to want to have no contact with unbelievers. But Jesus said, Father, leave them in their boats. Have their boats be in the water. That's where the unbelievers are. We're to be light in our dark world. How can you be light if you're not around the people that are in darkness? So we can't isolate. Well, Pastor Frank, they hate us. We can't isolate. One day, Jesus called a person to follow him. His name was Matthew. He was Levi. He was a tax collector. Next thing we notice, Jesus goes into, Levi throws him a going away party because he walked away from everything. And he goes into a house and he invites all his old friends. They're all unbelievers. They're tax collectors. They did everything wrong. And the religious rulers, the Pharisees and the teachers are outside the house, and they're talking to the disciples. Let me read it to you. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to the sect complained to his disciples, why does Jesus and why do you eat with these tax collectors and sinners? What are you doing in there mixing it up with them? And Jesus answered, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. You remember this church is a hospital, but we have to take the hospital. Do you know that Jesus makes house calls today as a doctor? That's like a miracle. Do you know that Jesus was even known as a friend of sinners? We can't isolate. If we isolate, there's no good. He said, well, I don't isolate, but I'm around the unbelievers. I'm, I'm at the office with them and everything. Well, that's where we live. But I really don't care for them. I really never say anything to them. In fact, kind of behind the scenes, I complain about them. Well, that's what I want to address. When Jesus came to this world, we know John 3.16. God so loved his son, gave us to have eternal life. But often we don't know the next verse. Look what the next verse says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. We have to be very careful now with the way our world's changing. That we're in the world, 
and we're loving the world, we're not condemning them. Like, look at that. That's ridiculous. Look at that. Look what's happening over there. What's wrong with those people? Look at that. Careful. I didn't mean we don't have to approve of it. But he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Now, I'm going to give you a very, very deep theological something. So I'll give it to you. Very simple. See how, see how you handle it. Sinners sin. Thank you very much. When you were a sinner, what'd you do? Tell me. Say it like you did. Sinned. Sinner, sin. Hello. That's what's normal. So I'm not going to condemn their sin. I don't agree with it, but I'm sure not going to take the condemning to the person. I love the person. Jesus died for them. He hates their sin, but he loves them. So be careful of our attitude. As things get worse and worse and worse, it's going to be hard for us to love and not condemn. If I condemn somebody, and there's no way of chance of winning them to the Lord. No chance. No chance. So I have to be around them, and I have to be loving them, and I have to know that I have an answer for the hope that they're actually looking for. Number two, how do I respond to a world that hates us? Number one, I don't isolate. Number two, I don't become like the world. Notice the water in the boat. We are to impact our culture without being compromised by it. Jesus knew this danger. You see, if I become like the world in my morals, in my way of living, in my thinking, if I become like them, then I have no influence at all. I have to impact the culture that's changing so rapidly without being compromised by it. Look at the last part of verse 15. Jesus says this. My prayer, Father, is that not you don't take them out of the world. Watch this. But that you protect them from the evil one. See, Jesus knew that Satan would love to, well, he'd like to come and allow every Christian just to begin to compromise in their values. Well, everybody in the world's doing it. We're just going to start doing it. No, if I'm too much like the world, then I make no difference at all. Lot himself, picture of this in the Old Testament. Lot and his family, he moved next to Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what that stands for. It was a city filled with garbage back then. Well, he moved as close as he could to the city of Sodom. The next thing we see he actually moves his family into Sodom. The next picture we see, Sodom moves in to Lot and his family. That's exactly what Satan wants. And you know what God came? He destroyed the whole city. That's coming for our world. But right now we have to love them. God removed Lot and his family from that. I want you to see this. There's a, there's a great passage in the Bible that speaks about this. It's a great warning to us. Romans 12, 2. Notice what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, the way I think is what I become. As a man thinks in his heart, what he so if, you, if every program you watch, 
Has people sleeping together? Has the homosexual agenda? Has people cheating and lying and murdering? Every movie you go to, half naked, all the rest of the stuff. If I'm watching all that, here's what's happening. I'm being squeezed into the mold of Satan. Notice, I want you to write this. This is huge for us in these days because of our culture. We must think and live different so we can make a difference. See, if we're all the same, forget it. We've we've lost our influence. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't be like them, speaking of the world. That doesn't mean we don't wear their clothes, we don't drive cars like this. I'm not talking about any of that external stuff. I'm talking about stuff of the heart. What you read, what you watch, and who you hang with as friends will determine who you become. That's why we have to understand it's a battle of the mind. And I'm going to do no good if I become like that boat, contaminated. See, a boat is supposed to be in the water. The water is not supposed to be in the boat. So if water gets in your boat, what are you doing with the bucket? Help me, get it out. And I'm going to ask some of you to get the water out of your boat this morning, spiritually. You have to be careful. Now you say... You get, I'm glad you're saying that, Pastor Mark, because I want them to get water out of your boat and you're sloshing around your own boat. Careful, careful. Now, can I actually be different? Yes, I can. John 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have the ability to say no to temptation. Third way I react to a world that hates me. Third way I react. Do infiltrate. In other words, go to the world. Keep your boat in the water. Be around unbelievers. Love them. Partake when you can of their things. I remember, as you know, I was a director of pharmacy for 25 years. Well, we had lots of parties. And as a manager of a big department, uh, I was required to go to those parties. People used to ask me, because I was a, a teacher way back then in church, Pastor Mark, do you actually go to those parties? I said, absolutely I do. And I would go. And, of course, they're all drinking and doing all their stuff and carousing around and whatever. And Linda and I would just have a Coke or whatever and put a little straw in it. <laughs> just a straw, nothing else in it, just a straw, but it's a Coke. I said, well, why, why did you do that? So I could talk with them. So they could see I was a real person. So I didn't condemn them. I worked with them. Do you know many of those people over years would walk into my office and say, I got a problem. I know you're different. Could you pray for me? Yes. Now, if I isolate myself, oh, I'm too good to go to that. What have I just lost? All my influence. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? So, now, when it got funky, people drinking too much, and toward the end, all kind of stuff, we just excused ourselves. I didn't say, well, we're leaving now. No, we just excused ourselves. Never talked about it later. Be careful. So there has to be some wisdom to this. So I have to keep my boat in the water. You say, Pastor Mark, do you have a verse for that? Yes, I do. <laughs> look at John 17, 18. All of our campuses, look at this. As you send me into the world, Jesus says, Father, you sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. Every Christ follower is sent in the world. Every Christ follower is sent into the world. We are called to be salt and light and impact our world. We are to be in our boat. We're to be in the water. We're to be in the marketplace of life. We're to love the lost, even though they hate us. We're to engage the lost. We're to share the good news. That's why you and I are still here, not gone to heaven. That was a principle Jesus came for. 
He came to seek and save the lost, to be around them. That's our role model. Now, I want you to scoot over to Mark chapter 5, just back a couple books. And I want to give you a story, and I want you to be in a boat with Jesus. You have your own boat, but I want you to get in the boat of Jesus. And I want you to follow what he does. And as we turn to Mark chapter 5, Jesus has just finished calming the storm on the sea. And he's going to head to an area that the disciples had never been to before. It's an area that, as a Jewish person, you didn't go to. So let's begin chapter 5 and see what Jesus does with people that hate him. Then they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Here's a picture. You can see the Sea of Galilee going all the way, the Jordan River there down to the Dead Sea. On the west side is Israel on the, in, in those days. On the other side is the Decapolis. In Jesus' day, that was where Gentiles lived. There were Decapolis 10. There was 10 Roman cities, Greek cities. And they were all Gentiles. And Jesus didn't come to the Gentiles initially. He came to the Jews and eventually it spread. So there's where they're at. And you can see Gadara. It's kind of the area that we're reading about. And it will, you'll, the story actually happens right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. It was in that area, but it's always on the east side. Now watch what happens as they take a boat and they arrive. Verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Jesus went by boat. Why did he go to that side? He'd never been to that side before, and we don't think he ever was back there again. Why did he go there? Because the Father told him to go there. He was going to show the disciples the importance of one person coming to Christ. He was going to show his disciples that eventually... God would love all lost people, Jews and Gentiles. We'll look in verse 3. Now, when they got there, this man lived in the tombs, this demon-possessed man, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. He tore the chains apart, broke the irons on the feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out, and he actually does what many young girls, teenage girls do today, and he cut himself with stones. Now, if you look at this man's life, it was miserable. He had no hope. He was possessed by demons. He needed freedom, but no man could help him. No program could help him. No psychology could help him. No 12-step program could help him. No religion could help him. He was a pagan. He believed in many gods. Not one of those dead gods could help him. He was in bondage. I want you to see, not just demon-possessed people, but people in the kingdom of Satan are in bondage. Sin always equals bondage. Would you write this down this morning? Sin always brings bondage, but Jesus always brings freedom. That's what sin does. It binds you to Satan and his desires. Jesus came to bring us free. He who knows Jesus, who follows the word, is set free and free indeed. Today's message was not a very encouraging message to hear. No one likes to hear how much they're hated. But God's word tells us that we will be hated because we choose to be his children. But God sent his son to come to save the world, not condemn it. That means we need to go out into the world and tell those who don't believe in Jesus. We shouldn't condemn them. God tells us to love them. 
You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will tell us that God wants us to love others just like Jesus did in his example. See, Jesus went to the most unlovely person he could find and loved that person. We have the hope that people are looking for. We just need to be bold and share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer to free people from the bondage of sin. He always brings freedom. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your